another thing that is like totally fucking my body up is now having a nine to five desk job. Like oh, I used yeah. to, I used to stand. I I loved standing. Every radio show I'd done before I got to Pittsburgh, I would stand. And then of course I get here and it's like, you know, they sit down at the table or whatever. Um, but you know, but at least that was only max like four hours a day. Uh, but now I'm like in a ergonomically incorrect chair and desk and just sitting there and like I, I lose circu- like circulation to my legs, like my legs start yeah. falling asleep uh, and I'm like, I got to get like a step stool or something under here so I can <laughs> lift my legs up and I, I need like correct. My posture is just awful like and I can't seem to get it right. I have no idea, but it just sucks. Can you get a standing desk? You know, one of the other one of the people in the office does have a standing desk and I should ask her like if she pay if she brought that in herself or if the company got it for her because it's one of those that goes up and down and I'm like oh yeah. that is great yeah um I would love one of those like a, like would. an adjustable one I know Grace has one at at her job and yeah. it's it's real nice I I know I took standing for for the show from you uh, and I'm like, man, I, I can't, I, I get nervous. Like whenever I'm sitting for a break, I feel like I'm going to need to like reach over and like do something with the board and I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm going to yeah. fall out of the chair. It's something like that. Yeah. I just like the energy of, of standing up. It just yeah. I, was, I think it's, yeah. I think it's a lot better. I feel like I'm more, you know, alive whenever I'm standing and, and your, your diaphragm and your lungs and everything are better aligned when you're, when you're standing up, you know, when you sit down, you can, you can slump and you're, you know, and smush things there. So it just, I don't know. I, I feel like it's better all around. Of course I'm sitting now sit for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this doesn't count. We don't need that top 40 energy right now. Nah, nah, nah. We need, uh, we need that Roman Mars, uh, yes. radio lab energy. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely no. sitting down. He's definitely sitting down. God, if if that's Roman Mars standing <laughs> up energy, I would love to know what Roman Mars sitting down energy is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's standing up like TED Talk energy. Like TED Talk is the standing NPR, I guess. <laughs> the standing okay. NPR. Um, not TED you, TED. Yeah, no, TED yeah, for something. I, I, the I education dudes? I don't know what Ted stands for. The education dudes. I think it's That's the education it. You nailed dudes. it. You nailed it. <laughs> um, all right. Should we get going? Might as well. Yeah. We're, we're really like running on fumes here. For... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was the education dudes. That, I'm yeah. surprised I came up with three, like an actual acronym just right off the top of my head, honestly. <laughs> it stands for the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> And then I edit later to make myself sound like a genius, which is maybe what I did for the education dudes. You don't know. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the season three finale, episode 10, the grand opening. But before that, what is the deal with stuff from our last episode, Mary, Joseph, and Larry? We really only had one thing. We, we, uh, we saw a star pop up that we recognized, Mr. David Keckner. And so what was he up to at this point in his career? And David Keckner, he's 60, by the way, which Damn. I'm like, yeah, I know. It just goes to show you, like, why dudes, like, either when, when you go bald early, like someone like Larry David did or like David Keckner, or why dudes who just start going bald shave their head. It's because you end up looking, you know, looking a lot older for a little bit. But then by the time you are old, like, wow, he's 60. Like, oh, my gosh, he looks great for 60. Yeah. Um, like, I remember <laughs> finding out the age of a couple of bald dudes we used to work with and being amazed at it. And it's like, that's uh, that's the power of going bald yeah. early. 
I, I know whenever I learned uh, my immediate boss at yeah. the time of, of working with them was over 50. I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way. And he's like, yeah, I'm like 52. I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, there's power in it. I, I can't bring it, myself to do it yeah, just yet. It, it's a mix of uh, it's a mix of the bald head and uh, in his case, being super tan. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so you know, yeah, I feel like David Keckner looked sixty probably when he was forty, but now that he is sixty, he looks forty somehow. <laughs> you know, it's like that. That's the way it works. But uh, he was born and raised outside Jefferson City, Missouri. He moved to Chicago after college, studied at Improv Olympic under famed improv instructor Del Close, and then he joined Second City uh, in Chicago, and he graduated in 94. And in 95, he landed a year-long stint on Saturday Night Live. So seven years before popping up on Curb Your Enthusiasm, he's already on SNL. So I would say, like, this leans a little cameo to me. Like, he was already, in 2002, like a well-established comedic Hmm. actor, I feel like. Um, All right. Yeah, he joined the show with Nancy Walls and Adam McKay, also from Second City, and became good friends with guest writer David Gruber Allen, who's uh, that long-haired guy. He's in Freaks and Geeks, and you see him pop up every now and then and stuff. And he became good friends with Will Ferrell, of course, appearing in Anchorman and stuff like that with Will. Uh, And he had, I forgot how many recurring skits. I was like, wow, David Koechner was on SNL for a year. And I forgot how many reoccurring skits he had he was in the bill brasky sketches with will ferrell and a couple of other people do you remember those like to bill brasky like these drunk like dudes with big teeth with like it, it was almost like chuck norris jokes but it was like i saw bill eat an entire crocodile and then you know they would like talk about this guy's <laughs> incredible feats and then they would say to bill brasky uh, and every so often one of them would say something embarrassing like i don't know I, I i wet the bed last night or something and everybody would be silent for a little bit and then they'd go talking about Bill Brasky again or whatever. Um, the, the British fops with Mark McKinney, which were like the white painted faces and white wig. And they, like, I think they would interact with modern day people, but they were like Victorian era British fops. Um, Gary McDonald, the fictional younger brother of Weekend Update anchor Norm McDonald, who would come on. And I think Norm would introduce him as like everyone that my family thinks is the funny one in the family. My brother gary mcdonald and he would come on and, and he would do this nervous stand-up that was just absolutely hilarious <laughs> and in will ferrell's get off the shed sketches he would play will ferrell's neighbor tom taylor and also he played gerald t-bones tibbins who i remember plays um an executioner like somebody who's going to flip the switch on a this was like the most famous T-Bone sketch. Um, going to flip the switch on somebody in the electric chair, and he like keeps pestering them. He's like some like like um, I don't know some kind of hick type character. Um, and I remember he just keep he just keeps singing, "Don't go chasing them, their waterfalls. Them suckers will get you every time," or something <laughs> like that. And that has always stuck with me. Um, so I was like, man, for one year, Keckner made a huge imprint. I feel like at least on my yeah. experience with SNL. Uh, and then in 96, 97, he joined the sketch cast of Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Uh, and then with David Gruber Allen, they had this improv comedy act called The Naked Trucker Show. And that eventually became a, a Comedy Central show, like much later. And of course, I have to mention, he recurs as Bill Lewis on The Goldbergs, which fe- featured at one point Jeff Garland, of course. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, been, he'd been around a long time, I'd venture to say, because this was a, a few years before Anchorman, 
Um, and Todd Packer, of course, on The Office, a couple years before that would would also thrust him further into the mainstream. But I would still say, like, comedy fans watching Curb Your Enthusiasm would go, oh, cool, David Koechner, someone that I know. Yeah, uh, that's all we had as far as homework. Let us consult the book. We open it up here for the uh, episode nine. All right, ooh, in this episode, we have no what they We don't know what anybody was thinking in this episode, but at least we have... Uh, a couple of in this episode tidbits. All right. Cheryl's parents ask Larry what he's getting Cheryl for Christmas, and he tells him he's giving her his grandfather's talus. The joke was Jeff Garland's favorite in the history of the show. I said to Larry, if you don't use that, I will wrestle you, said Garland. <laughs> Interesting. I guess you really have to be Jewish to to get that joke. <laughs> All right. Because yeah. To have it his, be his favorite in the history of the show. I guess it's funny because the Christians are definitely confused by, like, what is that, like a scarf? Um, <laughs> I guess that's pretty funny, but uh, anyway. Uh, the line when Larry asked the gardener if he can use the two-form with him, as we already knew from the last episode, is based on one of his old stand-up bits. Uh, and they have it all written out here. Well, you seem like a very nice audience tonight. I'm wondering, in case I break into some Spanish or French, may I use the familiar two-form with you people instead of usted? Because I think Usted is going to be a little too formal for this crowd. I feel I've already established the kind of rapport that I can jump into the two-form with you that quickly. I'm taking a two-liberty with you. I'm going to use the two-form, and that's it. You can't talk me out of it. You know, Caesar used the two-form with Brutus, even after Brutus stabbed him. He said, et tu, Brute. And I think that's a little too informal when someone's trying to assassinate you. At that point, perhaps, if he used Usted, he would have been better off. But that's Caesar. So there we go. They just, I know, All right. It's, wow. probably better when, it's probably better when Larry David is delivering it, <laughs> not me. And there's an actual audience that is paid to see him there. <laughs> <laughs> but they did, like, uh, just what transcribe it directly into the book. So got to read it. I, ha- I must read it. <laughs> have if to. I have to. Yeah, the book will curse us all. And, and they take up a half of the page. A lot, there's a lot of blank space here, and they take up a half of the page with this Davidism. Larry to Jeff. There's nothing worse than Jews with trees. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. Thank goodness he had it in trees there, or we'd have a problem. <laughs> we'd have a good out-of-context pull quote for people who want to cancel us. <laughs> I, I suppose they could still edit it if they wanted to, but that's all from the book. All right. Do we have any news or anything? Not that I saw. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 23 minutes uh, being uh, almost exclusively, like, following up on research and a a lot of bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. And I believe it's on Spotify as well. I'm not totally sure. If you want to support us, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or just a five-star rating on Spotify. Um, they, they like to keep their... Uh, platforms separate. I don't know why Spotify doesn't do the reviews as well, but hey, who knows? I'm not Spotify. Uh, If you would like to support us a little bit more, 
you can join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging, where for five bucks a month, you can join the It's a Hyundai tier and get early access to every single episode, clipped content from just about every episode, and our Patreon-exclusive movie reviews. Uh, those are going out uh, anywhere from one to two times every single month. I know, Tim, we just had a really fun one talking about Hocus Pocus 2. Yes, it was a blast, and it I really enjoyed talking about it. And once the I Think You Should Leave reference machine gun warms up, that, that was a highlight of the, of the podcast <laughs> to me. <laughs> when we talk about the great Sam Richardson, who surprised me by being in the Oh, movie. my God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that is over on patreon.com slash nohugging, where you can join Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville podcast, John and Kathleen Murphy, Tim's mom and dad, <laughs> Will Hall, Danica Ligorio, Nick Kudla, Don Queso, Nate Collins, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you all so much. And notice for... Um, current patrons and people who may want to become patrons. We just changed the billing structure over on Patreon. Patreon just rolled out this new thing where no matter when in the month you sign up, could be the first, could be the 30th, you're going to pay whenever you sign up, and then you're not going to pay again until that day next month. So if you sign up uh, the day that this is coming out on the free feed, October 23rd. If you sign up on October 23rd, you're not going to pay again until November 23rd and then December 23rd. Because Patreon used to do this real weird thing where you would sign up today and pay on October 23rd and then have to pay again November 1st and then December 1st. It would just always go with the first of the month. Yeah, so if you forgot on the first, like, all right, I'll... I'll... I'll sub on the first. That way I get the whole month without. And then, then the first, you know, you forget. You're like, ah, all right. I got to wait for the next time to roll around. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's some people that have, have done that because I've yeah. definitely been that way. Because yeah. I'm like, eh, I'll, I'll sign up early on in the month. That way, that way I'm not having to pay a full month's price for half a month's worth of content, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you just keep forgetting and forgetting and forgetting. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Patreon.com slash nohugging is where you can join our awesome community over there. All that being said, Season 3, Episode 10, The Grand Opening. Original air date, November 17th, 2002. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see in the Season 3 finale... (laughs) Larry figures out a way to fire a chef and alienate an important restaurant critic. Figures out a way to fire the chef? That's... Why don't I remember? Did we do that last week? I don't remember how bad that was. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's very bad. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it just didn't occur to me how bad, especially the first part, was figuring out how to fire the chef because I hadn't watched I didn't remember the episode. But yeah, he, he figures it out pretty easily. He says you're fired. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty easy. It it's, it's almost like he hadn't been ruminating on that at yeah. all. It's almost <laughs> yeah. like it was a total surprise to him. Yeah, it's almost like it wasn't planned. It was just, yeah. So, all right, we'll we'll we'll, pr- we'll try to make that better at the end. I think we have uh, our um, our work cut out for us. We'll see. All right, uh, we start at home, and I thought it was weird. The first thing they have to do is establish that the Davids have the TV news on. That was very important to establish, and they start with this news report about the the farmer said it was the first time he's ever seen a hen raise a litter of puppies or something like that. <laughs> like that was weird that. Because it could have been just like, oh, the 
they could have showed later when Larry starts paying attention to the TV that it was on. I just thought it was superfluous. Uh, but the the Davids are getting ready for bed, so this must be like the eleven o'clock news. And Susie canceled lunch with Cheryl, saying she had to go to a dentist appointment. But Cheryl suspects that she's lying and just does not want to go out to lunch with Cheryl because she cancels all the time on her. Meanwhile, uh, Cheryl, oh Cheryl's osteopath, told her that to get rid of this persistent cough, she should use colon cleanse. <laughs> and Larry is suspicious of that diagnosis because he's like, what does that have to do with? And she's like, oh, you know, just it'll clear everything out. It'll clear everything out. Uh, and so she wants Larry to pick some up at the store for her. Uh, meanwhile, now that Larry David is paying attention to the TV because Andy Portico is on. He is the restaurant reviewer for this TV station. And he is being brutal to the restaurant that he is reviewing, giving it two thumbs down. And Larry is worried because he's coming to Bobo's opening. And this guy can obviously make or break any restaurant in L.A. with a brutal review like the one he just heard. Uh, and Cheryl's like, well, maybe you know somebody who can put in a good word. And and Larry's like, oh, well, Jeff's daughter goes to the same school as his son. But I don't know. Uh, and then I liked when Cheryl, like, they end the scene. She, like, lets out another one of those huge coughs. And then she goes to kiss Larry. And he's like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Um, which is which I found I find funny because whenever I'm just a little bit sick, like Sarah will not come near me at all. But when she's just a little bit sick, unlike Larry, I have no problem with it. I'm like, whatever, I don't care, I'll get sick. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so I found it funny that that I, I guess I'm more like Cheryl, and she's like Larry in that case. She's like, no, get away from me. She doesn't even want me in the well. She she rarely wants me in the same uh, bedroom as her, but <laughs> because I snore and stuff. But uh, but it's at that point that she's like, don't don't come over to my side at all. Um, over at Rainbow Acres, which is at one three two zero eight Washington Boulevard in the Culver West neighborhood of Los Angeles, where it has been since nineteen eighty one, and the last time Google Maps drove by, it has the exact same sign that you see in this establishing shot. It is a mainstay, I guess, of the uh, Culver West neighborhood, Rainbow Acres. <laughs> uh, I was amazed to find that out. Uh, Larry and Jeff are there searching for colon clans, and Larry finally has to break down and ask a clerk where it is. And this is kind of a, like, this is a hack bit, like, oh, can I get a price check on tiny condoms? You know, where, like, someone's buying yeah. something embarrassing, and then they do. Because Larry asks for colon clans, and then the clerk shouts to the cashier, like, Hey, where's colon cleanse? And all of the customers are staring at Larry, and he has to, like, go, it's for my wife. So now Larry has passed off U2 onto his wife and colon cleanse. <laughs> uh, he doesn't <laughs> want to be associated with either. By the way, I, I, I actually saw this name in the credits, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I, I like, half recognized him. Did you recognize the, the first clerk he asks where the colon cleanse is? No. It's Ben Falcone. Does that name... Ring a bell at all? Uh, I don't know if it does or not. He's married to Melissa McCarthy, and so you'll often see him pop up and stuff that she's in. Like, for instance, he is the TSA agent that shares a hilarious scene with her in Bridesmaids. Um, but he's also just, you know, a comedic actor and writer and, and stuff like that, um, that that pops up. And But, you know, I, I didn't really <laughs> really seen him before, before Bridesmaids. So to see him in 2002, I was like... I don't know where I recognize that guy from. And then I happened to see his name in the credits. So, um, yeah, I was, uh, I, I definitely recognized him. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, yeah Ben Falcone. Uh, 
so they find the colon cleanse after this embarrassing moment. And then Larry sees somebody checking out. He recognizes him, but he can't quite put his finger on it. And then he realizes it's the chef that he hired. And now he's wearing a toupee. So he runs out to the parking lot <laughs> front, the chef who says, yeah, you know, you seem like somebody who would care about something like that. So I took a gamble and, and didn't wear my toupee and, and I got the job. You seem like someone who would hire somebody just because they're bald. And so he and wears, he was right. Yeah. And he was right. <laughs> and but because of of that, Larry fires him. He can't trust him anymore. Uh, just you yeah. know, he's wearing Sa- a toupee says, now. Well, you got hired under false pretenses. Yes. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> me- meanwhile, Larry, also an investor in the restaurant, also knows that they're opening in four days. Fired yeah. the chef. But this is a betrayal. I mean, the the being bald goes deeper than the money. You know, he was bald before he was rich. So I feel like that is most important to Larry, especially when you don't, especially when you have fuck you money, you do you care about stuff like that, like losing millions in a restaurant just for the high ground <laughs> over a guy who will not admit to being bald in public. It's like, uh, you never watched community. Did you? I, I did. Yeah. Like okay. the, the NBC run most of it. Yeah. Okay. You know, the, uh, the meme of Gillian Jacobs character, Britta, saying, I can excuse racism, but I draw the line at animal cruelty. And Yvette Nicole Brown's character just looks at her and says, I'm sorry, you can excuse <laughs> racism? This is basically Larry here. He's like, I, uh, you know, I can excuse, uh, I, I don't know, like a, a bunch losing of Losing millions in a failed yeah, restaurant. <laughs> I, I can excuse losing millions in a failed restaurant, but I draw the line at pretending to, <laughs> to have hair when you're bald. Event Nicole Brown, by the way, had always had like the best reactions in <laughs> in community. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. So so Larry does fire Phil, the chef, because he you know purports to not be bald when he is not working at the restaurant. By the way, did you see the sweet old style Taco Bell that is behind? Yes. Oh my! I did yes. not know that style was still around in two thousand two. Okay, oh my here's, gosh. here's the thing. This is what makes us so weird is that Grace had just shown me last night a sponsored ad posted by Taco Bell on Facebook. They are selling a t-shirt with the design of this Taco Bell. I think this is the OG Taco Bell. Oh, my God. You think it's like the original Taco Bell location? I, I think it's this oh, Taco wow. Bell. Yes. Because, I mean, why else would you have a Taco Bell that looks like this in 2002 other than, well, that's the original yeah. one. We, we can't, can't update the OG. Wow. Yeah, because not only did they have the old style, what, like Southwest Americana architecture, like with yeah, the terracotta the, roof the, and stuff. Uh, yeah, they, they had the, the, the building facade. Yeah, but also the sign is the mm-hmm. stacked sombreros, not the brown and the yellow bell in the middle, like... Um, let me see. I want to see where the first one was then. Taco Bell was founded by Glenn Bell. Interesting. He, so first home, it has a hot dog stand called Bell's Drive-In in San Bernardino. So this is not, this is not San Bernardino. This is um, this is definitely Los Angeles. But And then he started making tacos. Opened a stand in 1951. Okay. Um, he opened the first Taco Bell in 1962 at 7112 Firestone Boulevard in Downey, California. Currently, oh, damn. Currently, there is a Taco Bell location across the street at 7127 Firestone Boulevard, but maybe um, the first franchisee opened in Torrance at the intersection of West Carson and Southwestern Avenue, which still exists, but has been repurposed. 
The 100th restaurant opened at 400 South Brookhurst in Anaheim. Huh. Well, maybe there's more to this location than 7112 Firestone Boulevard. Let me just look this up and see how, because maybe Firestone is like the cross street. Hmm. Do we know where this this health food store is at? Yeah, it was at uh, 13208 Washington Boulevard in Culver City. This does look pretty, well, let me see. I mean, it's the greater Los Angeles area, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, they're about 30 minutes away from each other. Ah, damn. Okay. Yeah, still, it it must be one of the originals, because I'm sure they all... You know, I'm just going to write this down. The Taco Bell at that location. Because, yeah, there must have been a reason. Because by 2002, I I think they were all going neon. You know, maybe not, but maybe that's a little early for that. But we'll see. Maybe there's something to that. But, yeah, the, the... the architecture was one thing, but that stacked sombrero sign, I was like, that wasn't even a thing I don't think in my lifetime. Like, they had already switched yeah. to the bell on the brown background <laughs> with the sunset and all that. Yeah, the classic logo. Yeah, so the, the fact that the fact that this look for a Taco Bell exists in 2002 outside of, like, an original store or, yeah. like, the original store is a little baffling. Yeah, yeah. There must be something to it. In the car later, Larry and Jeff are remarking on the chef and, you know, how he was just fired and what are they going to do. And Larry, (laughs) this was a funny, Jeff breaks, I don't know, not breaks totally because they used it, but he, because he's laughing as you would if, but they they get the better of each other i guess through their improv which i really liked seeing this very real reaction <laughs> where larry accuses him like you'd hire a fat guy and jeff like kind of cracks up at that he's like oh yeah they they argue back and forth he's like you're right I, i'd hire a fat guy i'd give preference to a fat guy <laughs> um and this cracked me up too when whatever i forget what it's in response to but larry goes duly noted and jeff goes you love saying duly noted i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> And they go back and forth, going like, oh, you knew I was going to say that. Did you know I was going to say that? You knew I was going to say that. And they just start making each other, they just start cracking each other up. I thought that was very funny. Um, and uh, so Jeff has to go by Sammy's school to drop off her lunch. And Larry is impressed that a bunch of the senior guys at this school, which is K through 12, have shaved their heads in solidarity with a fellow student that's going through chemotherapy. And Larry's like, you know, I'd, I'd like to do something good like that for somebody one day. And then... <laughs> when, when has Larry ever thought this before? This is I, just out of left field. This is a very George thing, though. Remember, like, I think... That's George, true. George always wants to do something charitable, charitable as long as it doesn't take a lot of... Because as Jeff Mark remarks, like, you're already pretty much bald. <laughs> you know, you're already bald. <laughs> so it wouldn't... It'd be very low effort for something that would make him feel very good. Yeah. You know, something and that's in the grand very... scheme of things wouldn't really do anything. <laughs> yes. but it would make him feel good and make him feel like he's helping. Yeah, like for instance, the the better thing would be to pay for the kids' chemotherapy. Just yeah, an example. Because, you know, he's got that Seinfeld "fuck you" money. He can do whatever yeah. the hell he wants. Like that would be something good. Shaving <laughs> the very small amount of remaining hair you have in solidarity <laughs> is low effort for. The most serotonin for you, you know, as far as <laughs> ROI for effort, um, you know, it would make you feel good. And that's a very George, <laughs> I feel like this is a very George thing to do. Um, so, yeah, th- it's pretty funny that, and he would want the respect that like, oh, yeah, I shaved my head because this kid um, is going through chemo. And people would go, oh, wow, what a selfless person you are. You're, you're great. <laughs> and, until like one person at the party is like us just now and is like... <laughs> You shaved your head. You have I created Seinfeld <laughs> fuck you money. Why don't just yeah. why don't you just pay for his treatment? 
Yeah, that would be something good for somebody else. But he also notices that parents and the kids are playing a dodgeball game, and Andy Portico is there with his son playing dodgeball. And so Larry wants to join in, and so they wave him in, and Andy Portico really is playing like a dick. He's like, oh my god, yeah, yeah smashing little kids with the dodgeball. <laughs> he, he's absolutely nailing these kids. Yeah, yeah, it's very um, Adam Sandler and Billy Madison <laughs> <laughs> activity. Uh, and he thinks he gets Larry out, but Larry says, and and you can even hear that ball did hit the ground before Larry touched it, and so he's not out. But Andy accuses, you know, and so they just start trying to nail each other with dodgeballs until Larry eventually nails him right in the hands, which I didn't clock right away it, i didn't clock till <laughs> later i thought he just like hit him in the gut and like knocked the wind out of him or something see but. i i thought he hit him only in the thumbs which yeah. i i thought i mean would have made this a little i don't know better but i mean to- totally yeah. breaking all the bones in his hands i guess is, <laughs> yeah, really. is pretty funny because <laughs> uh, you know dodgeballs are made of concrete Exactly. Yeah, he, he flung a. Uh, uh, maybe it was more like a medicine ball. Maybe somehow a medicine <laughs> ball made it into the pile. Uh, yeah, because if it was just thumbs, we'd have a Seinfeld situation where that the guy uh, had his thumbs broken, and, and he'd still be able to do thumbs up and thumbs down. Mm-hmm. But as we find out later, you know that that's not the case. Uh, over at Bobo's, Larry is meeting with the investors, breaking them the news that they need a chef because he fired him. And the, they've like, already I lost. Ha- I had to fire. I had yeah. to fire the chef. I'm like, did you? Did you, Larry? Yeah, and the investors are very worried. They open in two days, and they've already lost an investor. Ted Danson is out. My guess is that just he wasn't available for filming, and so they were like, well, he's not an investor anymore. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's very, very quick. Yeah. Really, no explanation. So I, that, that has to be it. Yeah, Ted's already dropped out. And this was a funny... I. I'm guessing this was just a, an improv that Larry picked up on and decided to delve into because the guy's like, well, we're, we're in the muck right now, Larry. And he was like, are we also in the mire? <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, anytime you're in the muck, you often hear we're in the muck and the mire. So I was just wondering if we're in the mire as well as the <laughs> muck. <laughs> or maybe it's reverse. Maybe he's like, we're in a, you've got us in this mire. Uh, I forget which way, but I, I like that uh, little bit there. Um, and they're like, well, and they also heard that he broke the hands of this restaurant critic that was going to come and can make or break their Los Angeles debut. And so they demand that he apologizes to Portico. That's the one thing you can make right right now. So over at the TV station, we do find out that Andy Portico completely broke his hands. They're completely covered in casts, which is this, are these standard casts for somebody who has broken their hands or is this (laughs) (laughs) like complete covered, like up to the the middle of of your wrist. They look like the end of a Q-tip. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is not standard. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. I know. Though. I know. I'm not a doctor, but yeah. Uh, by the way, I definitely also recognize this actor. Uh, I forget what his name is, but I even recognized he's like just you know standard, uh, you know character actor. But I've, I've seen him in some stuff. Maybe um, next week I'll you know go over what I recognize him from. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's been in some decoms. Uh, oh, for sure, ben. for Has sure. Like ben. he, he looks like a perfect like you know dickhead principal. I was just about to say principal. Yes. It's <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. Um, yeah, so was, he broke his hand, so we can't review the restaurant because he can't do his shtick. He can't do the thumbs up, thumbs down. Which, by yeah. the way, at uh, it, when Larry, Larry and Cheryl are watching initially, Larry does call it out for being hack. It's like <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. That's your thing? That That's your thing. Yeah, he really hams it up, too. Like, 
He waves his arms around, like, he's like, two thumbs down! But, like, he's saying, like, I can't do that with these. I'm like, he he very clearly can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, just by saying it, or like, yeah, he, he definitely yeah. could. And he or, thinks or it's get, like... Or get a graphic or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. But he also <laughs> thinks it's like, people expect this of me. This is my thing. It's like, this is what? my it's... thing, yeah. He says he can't do this for two months now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny to think that, like, you know, <laughs> thumbs up and thumbs down. I associate most with um, Siskel and Ebert, like yes. the movie reviews guys. Yes. Like, it's not your thing. Who are, I'm assuming, out of L.A., right? I think eventually, although I know Siskel used to write for the Chicago Tribune. I think that was his flagship paper. But mm. I think, you know, it would make more sense when they started doing the TV show, especially that it, they'd be out of L.A. But I, I don't know where they filmed that. But, yeah, I mean... I mean but but certainly it's something people in LA pay the most attention to where they make the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, I I would definitely like not be surprised if something like this were to happen in real life. Just someone also in LA bites something that someone else is doing. I'm like that's my thing. I do two. Th- I do thumbs up, yeah. thumbs down. I'm like, no, you don't. These, these guys do. These guys yeah, do it for movies. They've been doing it for years. Yeah, so dumb. And does he sometimes do like one thumb up or one thumb down if it's not as bad? Is it a four point grading system? <laughs> is like two can, up, can, one can, up, can do, one down, can, two down. Can he do half thumbs? Yeah. Half is, thumbs. Can, can he can he do like uh like uh, up to like the first knuckle? My daughter has started. This reminds me. Colleen has started doing this thing at dinner when we make her try something new. She <laughs> will give it either a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a thumb in the middle. Like yes. You're holding a fist, yes. and it's in, and sometimes the thumb will like. Well, it's uh, uh, it's like a three quarters of the way up you know or one quarter of the way up so it's you know it's she's got all the way down quarter half three quarters all the way up so that's her grading system for food i love it yeah she won't answer whether she likes or not like well do you like this colleen and she'll just stick up a thumb and and we have to like it's very um emperor of rome where she like holds it out at first and like oh is it gonna go up or down oh oh i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where, where, where does where's the default starting position for her thumb? I think it's in the middle. Okay, yeah, and then she's like, and oh, it's going up. Oh no, it went down. Oh, you suck! Like, oh darn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to wait to see the gauge, like where it's gonna end up. <laughs> um, but Andy does want to help Larry out because he does know that they need a chef now, and Guy Bernier from Martins in New York City, which Larry knows, of course, sounds like a great reputation. He's out in L.A. now, and he's fielding offers from restaurants, and Andy can put in a good word for him and let him know that uh, they're looking for a chef. Uh, in the meantime, uh, a woman comes in to give Andy his lunch, and it's spaghetti and meatballs, and Andy, just like, I, I mean, I don't mean to use a, f- a food pun for the food critic, but he just chews her out, like, calls her a fucking moron. Like, how am I supposed to eat this? Um... But then Larry ends up feeding him <laughs> very sloppily, and, though. Yeah, and he's he's like just shoveling spaghetti into Portico's face. Yeah, giant helpings before he can even start to chew the giant helping that Larry has already shoved. It, it, like it looks like he might be trying to kill him, like choke him with spaghetti. That's how <laughs> how much I he's mean, shoveling hey, it in. That's a strategy, you know. Yeah, yeah. If he's if dead, he's dead. He, he doesn't review your <laughs> restaurant. You can't do thumbs up, thumbs down when you're dead. <laughs> so over at Bobo, Guy is signing on to be the chef there, but he won't cook salmon. 
no salmon, and no capers either. He won't use either of those ingredients, and everyone's fine with that. And while he is signing, Larry clocks that he has a, a tattoo with numbers running up his forearm that must be a Holocaust tattoo. And so Larry, you know, imagines that that this guy, wow, he's a Holocaust survivor. He has he has the tattoo there. Uh, and on the way out, after signing on, Gee just lets out a string of curse words. And yeah, like, yells out, yells out a uh, motherfucking cock sucking asshole. Yeah. And, and everyone in the restaurant is like, oh, wow, this guy's edgy. Uh, they don't know what to make of that. Yeah. Um, they're like, oh, must have got a parking ticket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, back at home, Larry's car is filthy as Cheryl is getting in, which I found kind of funny how she's. I liked this little bit of their married life together. She's like, your car is disgusting. And he's like sweeping junk off of the passenger seat. I thought was really funny motion. Like, no, no, it's fine. Get in. Get in. You know, he's taking her to... By the way, why doesn't anybody drive themselves? Like, Jeff is driving Larry around to places he... Like, Jeff drives Larry to the store. And then he's like, oh, now I got to drive over to my daughter's school. And now Larry is driving Cheryl to lunch. Drive yourself. Why does anybody drive themselves in this episode? Yeah, it's I have insane. no idea. You know, uh, what do you want to do? I don't know. Let's just drive around and run errands together. Uh, okay. Um, that's interesting. But uh, I guess when you're, you know, when you are not working, you got to fill the day with something. Uh, Larry and Cheryl do stop for a car wash on the way to drop her off at lunch with Susie, the makeup lunch, uh, at Glen Rock Car Wash, which was at 2711 Colorado Boulevard in the Eagle Rock neighborhood of L.A. It closed July 17th, 2022. Oh, my Just a few God. months ago. Yeah, I Aww, know. Damn. Yeah. And it was. It had been there. It was built in 1964, and it Holy just shit. closed down. I know. They sent an email or, or a, some sort of notice to all of their staff members saying, like with very short notice, they're like, "Hey, this uh, July seventeenth is the last day of work for everybody. Thanks, and that's it." And, and the workers were like, uh, uh, "Okay." It, it was kind of a dick move, yeah, yeah, uh, Jesus, because they're being replaced with Bellagio Express Car Wash, which is not up yet, as far as I could figure it out. Maybe they don't need any staff. I have no idea, but yeah, it's it's it was it's been an institution in this neighborhood, like the sign and everything for for all those years and then boom closed uh larry and cheryl get stuck in the car wash they're not moving at all it's one of these ones that you know that you drive the car onto the track and it pulls it through but they're not moving at all and it's right when cheryl's colon cleanse is kicking in which why take that when you're gonna leave the house anyway yeah like i mean like so it was either gonna happen in the car wash or while you're sitting at lunch with Susie. Yeah, exactly. Like, let me go take a big disgusting dump at a restaurant. Like, that's what I want. That's that's where I want it to happen. Not at my house. <laughs> like, no, you take that on like a Friday evening when you're not going to leave the house until Saturday morning. Like, <laughs> uh, or or maybe Saturday morning when you know you're not going to like colon cleanse is not to be fucked with, <laughs> you know. And Cheryl's finding out right now because she ends up uh, jumping out of the car. Larry does try calling the the car wash, but no one can hear him. Uh, you know, he calls 411 to get the number for the car wash, and then the woman answers the phone, and, and she can't hear him. And so uh, Cheryl ends up jumping out of the car wash, uh, which was a pretty funny pretty funny bit because she's getting, like, slapped around by all of the machinery and stuff. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, the car is moving. It, it, oh, is it, it moves, moving at that it, point? It moves as soon as she gets out of the vehicle. Yeah. Oh, geez. 
And like, yeah. not only does it move, but like it moves quickly. <laughs> if I was going to crap my pants, though, that'd be the place to do it because you're just clean immediately. You know, <laughs> it's like you can just like, well, this is this is not so bad, I guess. If I'm going to crap my pants, I'm going to do it in the middle of a car wash, automatic car <laughs> wash over at Bobo. Jeff and Sue. So this is the grand opening now. No, this is not the grand opening. This is just uh, where we're just. Yeah, this is the meeting before the yeah. grand opening. And Jeff and Susie do not believe Larry and Cheryl's story now. They think that Cheryl canceled lunch because Susie has canceled her on so many times. And this was like revenge. But um, yeah. So and they realize now the chef has Tourette's. And that's why he has these outbursts of curse words. And it must have been sabotage by Andy Portico. He must have known about this. And to get back at Larry, they made him hire a chef that is going to. Because the kitchen is almost like a stage, as they say. It's almost like he's on stage because it's right in the middle of the dining room, pretty much. It's got one yeah. of these visible kitchens. But they can't fire him because, as Larry noticed earlier, he's a survivor, uh, a Holocaust survivor. And so everyone's <laughs> like, oh, geez, well, we can't fire. If you clocked what that tattoo meant, was it, is it, you know, when, when Larry noticed that, did you notice, did you know what he was noticing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I thought it was like a, a, a Holocaust branding yeah. tattoo. But I was thinking, I'm like, man, okay, so this guy has to be like 80? Yeah. Mean, unless he was a child in the Holocaust, because the Holocaust at this point was 60 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So he's got to be over over, he's over 60. over 60, yeah. He did not um, look it. The math doesn't necessarily work out unless you're like, oh, he must have been a toddler or something. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Which is some, in, in some ways maybe even worse, you know. But uh, they, they can't fire him because he's a survivor. Uh, at home, Larry found out that Martine's kitchen was in the back, so the chef's outburst didn't make any difference because only the people around him would hear it. Larry, I did like him remarking, why doesn't he curse in French? Why is it in English? Because <laughs> <laughs> if it was in French, like it would nothing would be wrong. It just every so often yeah. the chef is yelling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it would be it would be classy, you know, like oh yeah. Every so often we we hear the the chef yell out some some beautiful French words. Yeah, yeah. Like he's shouting at the staff, I guess. But it's it's just interesting to see a working kitchen like that, you know. Yeah. But no. Now I, I don't I don't know what a motherfucking cocksucking asshole would be in French. I can right. look it up if uh, if you want to. <laughs> How's your French? I guess we um, could get Google Translate to read it. Do you want to do it really quick? Let's see. Yeah, it would be. Let's see if I can uh, get my, my pronunciation correct. Putain du susus trop du cul. <laughs> can you get Google to read it? You know, sometimes if you there's like a uh, a speaker or a microphone or something. It's a, it's going in my headphones right now. Uh, so here, let me let me let me see if I can do that. Putain de susus trop du cul. Okay. <laughs> put the uh, put the e on this episode for the French distribution. Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Normally that one's clean because we curse only in English, but now, yeah, now yeah. we gotta, no, now we gotta have that. It's dirty in French now too. Yeah, you're right. Putain de susustre de cul. You know, I took so many years of French and I never, I, I knew merde, that's shit. But besides that, I didn't know many other French curse words, which is surprising because normally that's the reason you take Let's a foreign see. language. <laughs> Let's see. Just motherfucker is connard. Interesting. Come on. Huh. What if you... Alrighty. What if you... Um, can you reverse that and, and see what that technically is in English? Because that's <laughs> one syllable for what takes us... Yes. I mean, it, it just uh, is a direct translation. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Wow. Uh, for French to French to English, French connard spelled C O N N A R D in English is, a- is asshole. Oh, okay, interesting. They may not have a motherfucker in French. Oh, oh no, they. Oh. oh. Hmm. Let's see what motherfucker is. Oh, okay. Uh, for some reason, I thought you were because I I had that I had that up. That's what uh motherfucker in <laughs> English uh, is connard. Conar in French, but you switch those up, and it's a direct translation to asshole, which is interesting. Yeah, Google. This is if I if I want to call somebody a motherfucker, I don't want to call them an asshole. Yeah, those are two totally but, different things. But uh, translations of Conar, I'm looking at on Google. Uh, there's different versions: motherfucker, shithead, uh, Burke, B E R K, and okay. shit ass. <laughs> That sounds like a curse word you'd make up when you first learned <laughs> cursing. I've and you've oh, seen I've what definitely fits together. I've definitely called someone a shit ass <laughs> in the last twenty years. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's that it's that level of insult where like you're so bad at everything you don't even know how to wipe your own asshole. Uh, yes, yeah, I see. I see now. It's just uncommon. That's all. <laughs> it sticks out. It sticks out as a as a word. Um, but. Cheryl is nervous about going to the opening and running into Susie because they've had this little bit of a falling out recently. It occurs to me that maybe Andy Portico was not trying to sabotage them. He knew of this great chef and didn't know of his Tourette's problem. That's Mm. what I'm thinking based on. That that could be it. Yeah. Yeah. The knowledge that we have now, it's like he just knew there was an actual good chef on the market in LA. So over back over at Bobo's, it is now the grand opening and the waiters are there in the epauletted uniform-style military shirts that, <laughs> that Larry has picked out. There's bells on the table. And, Ted, we were wrong. It's not a – I mean, there is a constant ringing, but it's not overtaking the yeah, ambiance so. of the restaurant, you know? You know, I'll, I'll admit I was wrong with that. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. I mean, it. Um, and Cheryl is very impressed. Everyone's in good spirits, in fact. All the investors are like, wow, we pulled this off. What, what, what does Larry say? He's like, eat your heart out, Ted Danson. Another another Ted Danson dig, just because yeah. he, uh, quote unquote, pulled out as being an investor. <laughs> yeah, um, which with, within the show is like, my favorite dig at Ted Danson is the guy <laughs> who goes, cheers with his champagne. I thought that was, that's the most, that's that was the death blow on Ted Danson right there. Uh, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they all toast to their great success. There hasn't even been an outburst from Guy yet, uh, or or at all. Like they haven't heard anything, which is awesome. Yeah. Cheryl and Larry's parents are there. Richard Lewis is there. Larry's assistant is there. I think I recognize some other characters, like from the run of this season, or yeah. maybe yeah. But every so often they show show Larry. Oh, Chet's wife is there. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there are characters that like are, are invited to this that have popped up. That Larry has invited, I guess. Would have loved and, to have seen Wanda in this. Yeah. But no, no Wanda, no crazy eyes. Wanda with crazy eyes would have been awesome. That, that would have been, been great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Larry goes over to Guy and he is upset because while dinner service is going well, he was one number off of the lottery as he shows Larry on his arm and starts rubbing off where he wrote his lottery numbers <laughs> to remember them. Um, by the way, four numbers right in the lottery is still a winner, depending yeah, on what you're still, playing. That's still a lot of money. Yes. Yeah, it's like, like a thousand, it depending on, on what you're de- playing, yeah. Exactly. It depends on like what you're what you're playing. If it's a, uh, was it a five or a six number game? 
Because six number game is pretty much only Powerball. Yeah, I, 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 I it, it'd be tough to count because it all runs together as one number, and I, I don't know mm-hmm. how many numbers he had there. Like, but yeah, f- like five, let's say. Yeah, if it, if it's he got five numbers correct on a six number game, that's like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's it's substantial depending <laughs> on what you're what game you're playing. So don't throw that ticket out, Gee. Maybe it's his first time playing the lottery. <laughs> uh, because also, you don't have to write your number on your arm. Most of the time, yeah. they give you a ticket proving what numbers you, <laughs> you got. So you don't have to do write that on your arm. Uh, but now Larry realizes they could have fired him all along because he's not a Holocaust survivor, just a, a dumb lottery player. Gee then does have an outburst. And the entire restaurant, which was enjoying their evening, now is staring at Gee. Everyone's stopped eating and they're just like staring back in the kitchen and Larry remembers he's always wanted to do something good for somebody and so he starts cursing he has a, a Tourette style outburst he looks over at Jeff and Jeff does the same thing it's interesting Jeff goes jism and then grandma <laughs> jism grandma jism I think is what he said like what I'm gonna I gotta look up and see if I can find like the the exact script of this episode because the the levels of curse words that each character yeah. has is incredible. So, okay, um, give me one second. Oh, I, I have to point out, while you're looking that up, Cheryl goes, you goddamn motherfucking bitch, right as Susie walks in. <laughs> and then Susie goes, Susie's was awesome. Fuck you, you car wash cunt. Oh that my was gosh. so good. Holy <laughs> fuck. I'm going to be laughing about that forever. <laughs> Car wash cunt. <laughs> yeah, just amazing. Just amazing. Okay. One other I, one. Got, okay. All right. Perfect. Because I, I loved I, Cheryl's dads too, and I'm sure you're going to get to that. Okay. So oh, it doesn't have by characters. We can probably, I bet we'll be able to figure out who said what. It's just like a straight up transcription with no characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's just straight up transition. <laughs> just, just with, uh, just with, okay, so I'm at, I think Jim's had a couple of champagne, so I'm almost there. Hey, there's my dad. Hello. Peel off. It's delicious. Okay, so there's uh, there's Gee yelling out, fuckhead, shitface, cocksucker, asshole, son of a bitch. Uh, maybe one day I'll get a chance to do something good for somebody like that. Uh, so Yelly, ye- 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 Yelly, Larry yells out, scum-sucking motherfucking whore. Uh, <laughs> Jeff says, cock, cock, chism, oh, yeah. grandma, cock. Yeah, there you go. Um. One of the investors yells out, bum, fuck, turd, oh, yeah. fart. Michael York. Uh, uh, another one, cunt, piss, shit, bugger, and balls. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the, the guy who plays Basil in Austin Powers yells out, damn it, hell, crap, shit. <laughs> no, Michael that, No, Michael York was the one who said, because he's British, so he yells bum for oh, his first that's one, right, which that's is right. not a, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, so, it was, yeah. it was uh, Jim, Jim, the nerd guy. Yells yeah, out, yeah. Uh, damn it, hell, crap, and shit. Uh, yeah. We get a, uh, 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 there's, uh, you goddamn motherfucking bitch, fuck you, you car wash cunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this Larry's dad who yells out, fellatio cunnilingus, French kissing? Yes. And then he and yells, then, rim job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> French kissing, that was hilarious. And someone else just yells out, right, piss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we get a uh, a fucking fucking fuck fuck. We get a uh, schmuck putts. To, 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 oh yeah, to, took us, took us, took us, took us, yeah. took us liquor. That's what it Larry's, is. Took us liquor. Larry's dad is cursing in Yiddish. <laughs> yeah. uh, we get a uh, 
pussy pig fucker. We get another just balls. I think that was Richard Lewis, actually. Pussy pig fucker? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Someone yells out, boy cock, girl cock, E-I-E-I-O. Yeah, I remember that. I forget who I forget who it was, but I recognized him. And then uh, the last line of the episode is we get a fuck whore tits. Yeah, it's it just uh, the whole restaurant <laughs> begins just an orgy of cursing, and everyone is once again having a good time as Frolic starts to play, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Uh, uh, all right, so what do we got for homework this week? Uh, I think I just... Oh, Taco Bell. What about... Why was this Taco Bell still look like the original location in 2002? Uh, we'll try to figure that out. Uh, besides that, uh, maybe... Oh, Paul Wilson, I think, is the guy. I'm going to write Andy Portico, just because I know I'm going to do a little dive on him anyway. So, uh, the actor who plays Andy Portico, what do we recognize him from? Alrighty. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? Huh. Good question. I mean, you figure something in the like in the titular grand opening would be pretty good. There's got to be a shot there. Nothing that that comes to mind. What are you thinking? I don't know. Maybe something with Portico's hands wrapped up. Like maybe uh, uh, yeah. Larry feeding yeah. him the spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Especially if he has his hands up and we can see him. That'd be good. <laughs> uh, yeah. All um, right. Let's see. Uh, I'll, I'll make I'll make one of those work. Yeah. But let's see what we can do about this week's description. Okay. So we had, in the season three finale, Larry figures out a way to fire a chef and alienate an important restaurant critic. Ugh. Yeah, because Larry often has to figure out how to alienate someone. How yeah, it, it's something he doesn't guy? do naturally. Yeah, yeah. I, need to, they, I need to alienate this, this restaurant uh, reviewer that's gonna, that could make or break our restaurant. I got to figure this out. How am I going to? That's That's dumb. All right, what do we got? We need... So the chef and the restaurant reviewer, I like as elements of the synopsis. Those are two big, big deals. How about after a troubling revelation, Larry file fires the restaurant chef, something like that. Yeah, I feel like you could even start there after the former. How about after the former, after the restaurant chef betrays him? Is that too, already too long? Like, you know, Larry hires man. How about here's here's something. Facing okay. a betrayal by their chef, comma, Larry hires uh yeah. Larry hires a new chef whom he thinks is a survivor. Yeah. A Holocaust I mean, could survivor. We say, yeah, what about like um Larry hires a Holocaust survivor with can we say with an affliction? Is that I think good that might verbiage? Be I think that might be best left as a surprise. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm, how did we how do we word the last one facing a betrayal something yeah Fa facing betrayal by their chef how about comma. how about betrayed by their chef okay yeah betrayed, betrayed by yeah betrayed by their chef comma larry hires a new chef whom he thinks is a comma whom he thinks is a holocaust survivor comma on the recommendation of a popular food critic mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how about this Betrayed by their former chef, Larry hires an apparent Holocaust survivor recommended by a food critic. He, do we want to, like, crib alienated from, recommended by a food critic, Larry alienated. He alienated, I guess you can say. But he uh, would refer to the, the chef, so you might need to reestablish Larry as the, the pronoun there. Um, so, betrayed by their former chef, Larry hires an apparent Holocaust survivor on the recommendation of 
a food critic he alienated. Larry alienated. Something like that. See, I don't even like that he alienated him because like yeah. that he just he injured him, you know? Like it's yeah, not like yeah. he he like cut him out of the will or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, but he did I mean, he did wrong him. I mean, it did put the restaurant in a position where they thought this guy was going to just close them on the first night. Um, so I wish we could find a way to say that in a word. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, because alienated, he wronged. Wronged is like the right direction. Let me see. Why am I only seeing adjective? Noun. Why isn't wronged as a verb? I think it's only an adjective. You can't, because you can't like go out and wronged today. Well, you can go out and wrong somebody. I'm going to go out and wrong you. I was wrong. Mm, I, by... I still think that's only an adjective. I don't think it's a verb. But, yeah, I mean, it, in the sentence, like, Tim wronged Ted. But it's not a physical action. It's not like punch, kick, drive. Tim wronged Ted when he punched him. Yeah. In, in that, I think wronged would be adjective. Punched would be verb. Oh, here we go. All right. Merriam-Webster does say it's a verb. To do does wrong it? to. Injure or... Oh, injure. Mm. That's not bad. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wronged or wronging. Yeah. In, so a popular food critic, he in, Larry Injured. Betrayed by their former chef, Larry hires an apparent Holocaust survivor recommended by a food critic, Larry Injured. How's that? I think that's it. I think that's it. That's... Yeah. It's not bad. I think it's as good as we're going to get. <laughs> I think so, too. I think so, too. Let's take it. Okay, so, Tim, did you like this episode? I did. I mean, it's it's very close to star-worthy, except was the end, the end when everyone's cursing made me feel weird. Like, it wasn't necessarily funny. I was more, like, cringing during it. Did you have that reaction? Hmm. I, I really liked the ending. I liked the Cheryl, Susie. I don't know why I had such a an adverse reaction to it. I was like, oh, this is, this is like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't explain my reaction to it, but I was like, this is almost a little cringy for some reason. And I don't know why. Do you think, do you think it's just the idea of like, Oh, we don't know how to end the, end the episode and therefore the season. So we're just going to have every character swear. It's yeah, just and, kind of and, like a lazy idea. Yeah. And swearing is often, you know, it's kind of lazy if there's no other joke, it's like, you know, if, 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 if what you have doesn't stand on its own and you add a curse word and that makes it funny, then it's not really funny. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. So maybe that is what I was like, oh, this is, I, I don't know why I was kind of put off by the ending, but I think that's the only thing that, that stopped it from being elevated to a, you know, maybe even a star low, because uh, I can't even give it that. So oh. um, it was just, yeah, I know it was just a fine an average episode. There was some stuff like out of the blue, like why does Larry love dodgeball so much? Why did he want to really, that seemed a little forced <laughs> okay. into the plot. Like, yeah. Oh, I love dodgeball. I want to play dodgeball with these people. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, there was, there was just, you know, so much. Uh, and, and then, um, you know, colon cleanse as a punchline was also like, you know, again, kind of hack. And then the whole price check bit from rainbow acres, vitamin shop or whatever was also low hanging fruit. I'm like, there was, it was funny. I mean, all this was funny all the way through and I'm, and I'm glad we got uh, a season long storyline, but it, you know, for me, it was just kind of an average episode. What do you think? Well, Tim, this is where our opinions differ. I, Whoa. uh, I gave this episode a full star. Wow. Full star. Only my second full star of the season. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, call it call it a low-hanging fruit. Call it hacky, which it definitely is. I don't know. For some reason, just this episode, it was working on me. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't deny it. it. I mean, like even even the final season, I was having a great time watching that. You know, I, I thought it was yeah. I thought it was funny. I'm like, yes, this is very lazy writing, but it's funny. <laughs> the funniest parts to I, me were when the when the joke wasn't cursing. Cheryl yelling at Susie, Cheryl's see, dad, I, the like hardcore I, Christian, thinking that cunnilingus <laughs> is the worst word he knows, and and uh, and French kissing, yeah, and fellatio, I, fellatio. I, <laughs> I, uh, I I think the funniest part of that for me was just like using this term because uh it is weird because there's uh no one other than white people in the restaurant the <laughs> diversity of the characters and seeing what each character thought was a swear word was yeah. where a lot of the humor was coming for me i'll agree with that like again larry's dad cursing in yiddish was another one and michael york the only brit yelling bum as his first word <laughs> yeah yeah and bugger <laughs> bum and bugger yeah which like are you know i don't know bum probably you can but bugger is probably a word that you can't say on british tv still um <laughs> if i was gonna guess uh, I'm, surprised, yeah, so. I'm surprised they didn't have him throw in a bloody <laughs> yeah yeah exactly bloody or arse or fanny because you know? <laughs> fanny in england is the vagina not oh, great tim now we the, gotta market yeah. explicit in england too <laughs> That's right. That's Damn. right. We're we're explicit in uh in English speaking countries in England <laughs> and in France. Yeah. The Queen's English <laughs> and American English. <laughs> Is it still called Queen's English because it the, the, the Queen's dead? Right. Is it the King's English now? I wonder. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Good. They changed their song. It's now God Save the King. Oh my God! Like, really? Yeah. I guess, yeah, I, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. You got to learn a new national anthem. Like, wow, <laughs> gender specific. I guess I never considered that because we've had the other one for like <laughs> seventy years. Um. So, so do we want to do our our season three rankings? I think I can if you want to. If you give me a second, so I can write them down. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Here we go. All right. I'm ready to go. Okay. Um, uh, all right. So, Tim, your your season three rankings, please. I'll start with my honorable mention. The Star Lolo from this season. The Corpse Sniffing Dog. Uh, my number three, The Terrorist Attack. Number two, The Special Section. And number one, was not surpassed all season long, Chet's Shirt. Wow. All right. All yeah. right. So we, we've got some similarities okay. in this. Um, I, I did not give any stars to The Terrorist Attack or mm. uh, to... The terrorist uh, attack was a star low for me, so that's how I okay. knew it was numbered. I had two actual stars, a star low and a star low low, so I was very helped <laughs> out by my notes this time. Um, so, yeah, I, I only had two actual stars. I had uh-huh. two star lows, so I, I guess I'll do my, my honorable mention as well, is the corpse-sniffing dog. There you go. Because um, it's, it's really the only one that gets kicked out of the top three. Uh, yeah. Number three, then, would go to Chet's shirt, the ah. season three premiere Number two, I am going to give to the grand opening, the episode that finishes out season three that we just talked about. And number one, I got to go with the special section. Yeah. Special section was a very strong episode. So very, very similar. But I got to say, not a strong season of television, (laughs) at least in in my opinion. Yeah. When you don't star more than half of the... (laughs) 
But that's been that's been well, par for the course for the first three yeah. seasons, you know. Well, I mean, here here's the thing: if we're going by like obviously ten episodes per season, if we're going ten percentage points uh, yeah. per per episode, and I'll, I'll do five percentage points for star lows, then that gives me a thirty percent. Uh, yeah. like a thirty a thirty percent on a on a test. Like Tim, if you got a thirty percent on a, any math test, would would you would your teacher not pull you aside and say like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> but that's saying that if we don't star an episode, it's bad. I I think my standing has been like, well, this was just an average episode. Which for Curb, anything that doesn't get a star is probably like nothing's been bad. It's all just been average, which is still <laughs> which is still god tier TV to me. Okay, like, this well, is here still, if we you know, if we do if we do ten, ten percentage points for stars, we do seven and a half for star lows, and we do five for average. Then yeah. I would have uh, I would have five, ten, fifteen, twenty. 25 30 let's see my two star lows would make that a 45 and then my two stars would make that a 65 a 65 out of 100 is still an f still an f yeah but (laughs) (laughs) but i don't yeah but that's that's grading i'm trying i'm still being trying to be a, a curb um apologist and supporter but like that's considering like a 65 like let's grade on a curve you know a sixty-five on TV is is a plus yeah, material. A, a, a Considering six point five on on IMDb is a, a decent rating. Yeah, there you go. Like maybe that's the way to look at it because a lot of TV is two or lower. So if we're grading on a curve, uh, curve your enthusiasm, as it were, um, <laughs> then I think you know I think a sixty-five is going to be towards that that tiny top end of the bell curve still. You know, because very very few TV shows are a hundred percent. You know, yeah. So I, I think we're still dealing with, uh, you know, I get a couple of good chuckles out of every episode and I really enjoy myself still, even watching an average episode of Curb. So, but we are, it's interesting to see us, uh, you know, di- diverting. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, becoming more disparate in our, because for the first couple seasons, we had kind of the same top three, I think. And now we're sort of separating. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, what we, what we like moving forward as we get into season four. Yeah. Speaking of season four, next week we have got season four, episode one, Mel's Offer. Original air date January 4th, 2004. So we're skipping an entire calendar wow. year ahead. Uh, wow. Skipping to the, the second half of the traditional TV season instead of the first half. Yeah. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see another another really <laughs> lazy way to, uh, to start it off. Quote, in the season four premiere, Larry reminds Cheryl of a 10th anniversary present she promised him when they got engaged. Wow, this is funny. I uh, Yeah, I definitely remember what's going I, on here. I, I'm just going to guess. It, is it a blowjob? No, no, it okay, is not. Okay, because just what, what we've seen of the show so far, it definitely wouldn't yeah. surprise me if it was just like, oh, yep, a 10th anniversary blowjob or something. I get the feeling, especially since Roadhead is on the menu, we know for the Davids, like that that's not something Cheryl would would consider ten year worthy. <laughs> you know. Oh, so it's something bigger than that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, okay. Yeah, I'll let your mind real, and I think this is setting up a pretty good. I know it's going to last like the full season, but I think this season might be. I don't know if this is the season we go to New York during, but yeah, we'll see. I know. I, I know that he he meets a lot of new people and begins working. I think during this 
you know, during this season. So we'll see if I, if my memory is correct. But that's next week. So is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.